welcome to Off the Record. We're joined by a, a special guest, man. Well, welcome to the show. Former HBCU basketball player, NBA player, Ronald Flip Murray, man. What's up, Flip? Welcome to the show. What's going on, fellas? How y'all? What's up? What's up? What's up? Good, man. What's up, bro? Good. Yeah, doing good. Man, so one, want to thank you for coming to the show. And I want to start off just by asking you from the beginning, man, what was it like, you know, jumping from a, a HBCU and going to the NBA? What was that process like for you, man? Was it more difficult because you went to Shaw? Uh, what was it like? Uh, honestly, yeah, it was a tougher road for me because I wasn't getting um, much exposure as the D1 guys was getting, so I had to really, like, uh, make a name for myself. I went to a lot of camps after I left um, Shaw University where though I had to go out there and really, like, prove myself and, and prove that I belonged there. And actually did success, had success there when I went to all the little NBA camps, pre-draft workouts and stuff like that. Uh, working out with a lot of guys that were supposed to be, you know, the top draft picks and lottery picks and stuff like that. So um, it was cool. I mean, I had to put that work in, but it was it was cool. I ain't had no problem with doing that. Man, I mean, you you attended Stra Strawberry Mansion, man, a, a well known school in Philly, man. What what was that like? That's where I grew up at. So that's my neighborhood. You know I mean, me be able to um, play from the neighborhood, you know, the high school team, and you know, us to make some noise and, and be a a powerhouse in our, in our public league division was, was big for us coming up. And I was 97. I graduated class 97. So um, it started something special for Charlie Mansion. It started putting us on the map where the guys that came after us extended that and made it uh, even more of a powerhouse by winning their first championship when we left. So, I mean, it was fine. It was, it was epic for us to play there at our, our neighborhood high school. Nice, nice. You chose Shaw University and with the, um, you know, the wave of black students now that are starting to choose HBCUs, especially uh, black athletes, you know, four or five stars. What made you choose Shaw and what would you would you recommend that uh, other black athletes out there who are looking to go to college, would you recommend that they choose HBCUs as well? Me, personally, I had a conversation with a couple guys that actually went to my high school that actually attended Shaw University. And they was letting me know, like, the history and the background of HBCUs because I really didn't know too much about it at first until I got down there. But once I got down there and found out, you know, like, the historical history side of it and, and all that, all its nature, it was it was big for me for I go play in an HBCU because it was all black school. Mm -hmm. And I had a chance to really go down there and, like, to try to put them on the map for real, for real, make some noise with them. Being at Shaw University, they never want to uh, they never want a CIAA championship before in their history. We went down there and made that happen within two years. The coach that I had, and then him promising me things that I couldn't deny. Like, he promised me that I was going to get to the NBA. He promised me that. And mm. for me to just come out there and just listen to him and just do what I got to do on the court, um, that honestly made my decision way more easier <laughs> than anything. Were there no no other schools were, like, giving you giving you money? I mean, because you could, you could clearly ball. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I had, the coach that Charles saw that. No, I had committed to UMass coming out of high school. Mm -hmm. I didn't get my test scores. I needed a uh, 820. I took the test scores, SAT, the last time I could take it in a year, and I got a 790. So I didn't get the uh, test score to go to the UMass. So I mm -hmm. went to junior college for two years. Mm -hmm. After attending junior college for two years, I came home. My mom had got laid off from my job, so I had stayed home for a year, helped her out. I went to a community college here in Philadelphia for a year. Took some classes there, got some credit. That's when I went to Shaw University, and then did two years there. So flip question, going back to what you said, your coach pretty much promised you certain things when it came to the NBA and going, but when did you actually know physically that you was gifted to where you could actually take it that far? Um, I mean, I mean, I always been 
thinking about the NBA since I was a little kid. You know, I was, that was your dream as a little kid. I always want to go play in the NBA. So, I mean, that's always was in my, my thought process. But to me, actually see it start coming through was probably like my junior year, my first year at Shaw University when I had actually start having scouts come out to watch the games. And, and I was starting to notice them come up. Then the senior year really kicked off. Uh, by me getting that CI, I mean, uh, Division Two Player of the Year, and I really start seeing a lot of more scouts, then I start getting more contacts. And then once I got involved with an agent, I got an agent, and then I started receiving more, you know, invites to go to different NBA camps, stuff like that. Then I knew it was a, it was a chance that I had a, it was a strong chance I had to possibly go and make it. Yeah, cool, cool. Just going back, looking back, you know, I can, I guess, I can look at it and see it from that perspective because you play ball, I went to school, so I saw it from the aspect of, the fan watching, you know, you guys play ball and watching you guys bring the chip back to Shaw. Can you kind of go over a little bit in the sense of, I guess, the the grind and the process of what it took for you guys to actually make it, to actually get to the CIAA and actually win the whole chip and, and, and actually bring it back to Shaw? So you already know, you've seen a hand for hand. We we, we put work in. It wasn't yeah. a speaker. We put work in. And, you know, I was the pioneer leader for that. You know, we used to run all the way up. Um, What's that? Uh, was that? Was it? I don't even think it was LA Fitness back there. I forgot the name of the little the little gym we used to go to in Gardner. It was like up the street from the school. We used to run there back and forth for our conditioning. We used to go to uh, Duke University at the Wallace Wade Football Stadium and run football stadiums around back. You know, we mm-hmm. put work in. So our first year when we were there, we went um, what fifteen to ten, I think we went. Um, yeah. But that was that was our first year where with all of us playing together, not really knowing each other. So. We end up getting a bye the first round in the tournament, but we end up losing to St. Aug. So, you know, that didn't stick right with me at all. For You know, St. Aug is our rivalry. You know that. <laughs> shit, you already know. Yeah. yeah. We had to hear that shit all fucking summer. And <laughs> they coming back and forth. And, you know, they going to talk crazy. So, you know, I they, that summer, after that first year we played, we st- I stayed down there. I didn't even come home. I stayed down in North Carolina and just continued to work out. I just worked out down there. Played in the summer league down there. Mm-hmm. And everything. So I tried to get a little acquainted with Riley for a minute. So that second year when we came back, Coach added some more pieces. He got rid of some pieces that we I thought that we didn't need in our team and what was fit for us. He brought me some new players. I mean, asked me what I think of these players and this that. I was like, all right, you know, he let me handpick really who I wanted on the squad for real. So Damn. we picked some big pieces. We picked up some big pieces that next year. And honestly, we should have we should have won the whole division two tournament. I believe we got cheated in the final four. We made it to the final four. We won a CIAA tournament. We won a South Region tournament and we made it to the Final Four. Played against the powerhouse Division Two school, Kentucky Wesley. You know, mm-hmm. they was known for being a powerhouse for years in Division Two. Played them 30 minutes away from where their school was at. We 11 free throws. They shoot 41 free throws. We lose about four. I mean, they shoot 41 free throws. We shot 11 and we only lost about four. Good Lord. Let you know what type of game was going on down there. But I mean, it is what it is. That's when the politics came into it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, but for us to bring that back to Shaw University, man, then for the love that we got when we got back home from that trip, man, it was, it was big for us, it was major for us, man. It was a it was a real good feeling for us, man. Yeah, I, I hope you guys really understood the inspiration that you guys brought back to the campus, everybody, man. It, it it really showed that you know you can you can do anything that you want to as long as you put in that work, you grind, you know, you can be successful in anything that you want. And when you guys came back and you brought that, you, you know, you guys brought that chip back to Raleigh it transcended and it, it made waves all throughout when it came to sports, when it came to academics, when it came to people wanting to be successful and just, you know, achieve their dreams, man. So that, that was, that was big what you guys brought. I, uh, I know you guys maybe realized it, but I, I, you know, actually speaking about it down the road, 15, you know, years later, you know, plus uh, it's amazing what you guys brought. I appreciate that, bro. Appreciate it. 
Yeah. So Flip, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fast forward a little bit. So you, you go from that, you get drafted into the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so you being a Philly guy, we East Coast, we all East Coast guys on here. We in the Baltimore area. Okay. How was it like going from Philly to Milwaukee, man? Yeah, you started in Milwaukee, and then eventually Seattle. Like, was it a culture shock for you, man? Was it slow? Was it? Because I've heard I've heard stories of other NBA players where they go from one place to another and they like, damn, this one I'm gonna be for a minute. So how was that? So Milwaukee definitely was slow. You know, it definitely was slower than I was used to coming from Philly. But that was a good thing for real, for real, because that had kept me focused and kept me in the gym for real, for real. I really didn't have too many things to go do out there. And plus, it was cold out there, too, though. So they got a lot of, like, snow and stuff like that. So um, I was a rookie, though. That I mean, I had some good veterans above me, man. When I was there in Milwaukee, they kept me in line for real, for real. I had Irvin Johnson, who, who made sure that all the rookies, you know, stayed in line and stayed in place on what we had to do and stayed, stayed at task and didn't really let us get caught up in too much of the dumb stuff that was out there. With that being said, we I mean, I came in with, like I said, I had Irvin Johnson, rest in peace, my man, Anthony Mason, man, my OG, man. Nice. Uh, Caffey, man. I had Sam Cassell. I had Ray Allen. I had uh, Kevin Alley. I had some real OGs that was on my squad. That really took me under their wings for real, for real, and tried to show me the rules of the NBA and show me the path and how to work and, you know, how to stay in the gym and, and continue to work on your craft and your game and stuff like that. So it was a shocker for me because I ended up getting traded that year, my rookie year. Mm-hmm. And that's when I went to Seattle. Seattle picked up way from Milwaukee. Seattle was a nice city. Seattle was a real nice city. The only damn mm-hmm. part I had with Seattle, it just rained too damn much. It rained 34 straight days while I was out there, man. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's, the, that's the only damn part I had on. But Seattle was overall a nice city, man. Beautiful water view out there, man. Uh, uh, Seattle was was okay. I had fun out Seattle. I was out there for like three and a half years playing out there. So it was a, it was a little different for me, but it was something I was willing to adjust to. That's what's up. So when you first came to Seattle, uh, Ray Allen got hurt. You had to step in. I mean, you immediately started killing. Did you already know like, oh, it's go time. I already know what I'm about to do. Or did you just go kind of go out there and feel your way out and things just happened to fall in place? Well, coming to the season, I didn't know really what to expect because, like I said, I just got traded uh, my rookie year. So I really didn't play my rookie season. I really wasn't getting that many minutes. I was really getting garbage time for real, for real. Plus, mm-hmm. it was the end of the season. We wasn't going to the playoffs. So I didn't know what to expect. But coming into that season, I had a great mm-hmm. summer league playing with Seattle out on the West mm-hmm. Coast when we had to play in the summer league. So it was like 35 that, that summer playing in the summer league with Seattle. So I, I knew that they, I had their attention because the way they were showing me uh, love in the summer league, they was really letting me just go out, out there and just play basketball. I really didn't have no leashes or no string on me. Mm-hmm. So coming into the season, I didn't know what to expect. But when that call came through saying that Ray was going to be out for like the first whatever games he was going to be out for the season, you know, that, that light went off. All right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's go time now. I mean, they got mm-hmm. to play you. They got to play you. So, I mean, I knew that from the gate coming in, knowing mm-hmm. I was going to get that position. They got to play me my minutes, and I could just go out there and just play my game. I ain't had to worry about, you know, when, when you playing, coming off the bench, especially when you're a young guy, with some coaches, they have, like, a string on you. Like, you make a mistake or something like that, they want to take you out, the goofy shit. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I mean, once I knew that he couldn't do that, I could just go out there and just play my game. I was going to be able to make some mistakes here and there and just play my game. It was, it was a done deal. It was a wrap. So if you went from Seattle to Cleveland, man, and you you had like you had a really great career, man, a lot of great years. What was it like going from Seattle to Cleveland? And of course, LeBron had just come into the NBA a couple of years prior. So what was Cleveland like with him, you know, playing with him? 
Oh, it was cool. You know, my my I felt as though my 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 career was coming to an end with Seattle. Um, mm. They wasn't really paying me like that, man. So I went to the front. I mean, to the front office and let them know, like, listen, man, I understand that y'all not playing, man. I don't understand it's a business. I'm asking y'all, can y'all get me somewhere where I can play? So they talked to my agents. Uh, we ended up coming with a deal on trade to go to Cleveland, playing with LeBron. And uh, you know, LeBron was the youngest thing coming up, man, about to be the face of the NBA. So I'm like, all right, that's another new start for me. Went over there, had a chance to go in there and start from the gate. Larry Hughes was down while um, when I'm when they made that trade, so I was able to go in there and start from the jump. And you know, man, you, I went from playing in Seattle, never on TV, to going to Cleveland. We on TV every night. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we on TV every night. So you already know. I'm like, listen, it's another opportunity for me to go out here and really showcase my skills and let people know that I can really get down, I can really ball. So I mean, it was alright, man. LeBron was a young one coming in. It was like his third year, probably. I think it was his third year when I was there with him, third year in the league. So, uh, you know, he was the next up-and-coming star, the NBA man, and he was learning the game. But he also had crazy talent, man, and be, just to be out there in the court with him and just the ball with him, man, at the same time, it was, it was it was pretty thorough, man. I think you played eight years in the NBA, man. I mean, that that's a, that's a damn long career. A lot mm-hmm. of dudes, as you already know, even if they're great players, they come in, they might be gone a year or two later. What did it take to to stay in the league for eight seasons? It's putting in the work, man. Just putting in the work, staying, staying, uh, staying ready, staying in shape, man, and just understanding the game, man. I always had a high IQ for the game. I understand the game, and me being able to just adjust to any type of system I was in. I played in for eight different teams, so that's eight different systems I had to play in in eight years. So, me being able to adjust to just playing in different styles, just knowing the game of basketball, man, it was cool, man. Um, I don't take nothing from it, man. I had a great eight years in the NBA, man. That's a that's everybody's basketball dream that plays basketball. So, I mean, I took what I, took what I got from it, man. I had a good time, enjoyed it. Flip, I got a question. Mm-hmm. This is just off the record, right? <laughs> How does it feel to bust somebody's ass and score thirty two points <laughs> and make it look easy? I, I just got I got a question for that. I I, I just want to know. And that's just I don't know, man. That shit came from young boy. I was doing that since I was young, you know. You know what I mean? Not to be on no cocky shit, nothing like that. But I was, you know what I mean, I always, one thing they can say about Flip Murray about this basketball, I was, I always could score the ball. I don't care what level of basketball I was at, I was always able to score a ball. That was my gift. I always could score the ball. I, I didn't need no pick and roll, none. I was always able to go get my own basket. So, um, I always been able to score the basketball, man. That's been like my gift uh, from the game of basketball, man. So that was always been like a, a go-to for me to go ahead and score buckets and, and get buckets. So. You know, I ain't, I ain't never been on real big shit talking or nothing like that neither, though. So, you know what I mean? Unless somebody really got out of pocket and start talking crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, it seems like you was always that silent assassin. Like, you always came out, you know, you was confident. You was, you was quite confident, though. Like, you know, just like I said, you, you scoring 32 on a, on an average night or 20-something on an average night, and, you know, you're making it look as if, you know, you're doing it quiet, and you're making it look as if, like, you're on 2K. <laughs> I'm playing right. like 2K or something. Like, you know, so that just goes to show you, man, how, how you know, how much work, you know, and dedication you, you put into your craft, you know, since you was young, you know, even to now. I mean, you, <laughs> I, I, I've seen some, some tapes of the program and, you know, you, you're still light on your feet. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. over there. We got an alumni game today, man. It's, it's a, it's a, this might be one of the greatest league. I mean, the best league that's going on in the city right now. It's a, it's a league where, all the high school teams from the city bring their alumni players back and play in a um, competitive 30, play, 30 and over league. So it's all the guys that used to play that was, was super tough back in the day when we was young 
and playing in high school and playing alumni league. And it's like 34 high schools in there. I think it's gonna be like 40 next year. So it's a really dope league, man. It's, it's competitive, man. And then, you know, Philly is gonna be a lot of shit talking. So everybody's online on the web talking crazy. So, <laughs> and it's still competitive because we still gonna have people in there. So, I mean, it's pretty dope. Are you doing anything else? I mean, I know you're still playing. You're still killing it. Are you Are you coaching? Are you training? Are you mentoring? Are, are you actually in the process of coaching. I actually want to coach back at Strawberry Mansion. Um, oh, okay. When the pandemic hit, it really slowed stuff down. I, I definitely was offered the head coaching job over there. I turned it down uh, last year because I really didn't have the time and it go in, you know, put 100% into it. <clears throat> so I told him I just had a, um, a daughter at the time when they had offered me the job. So I told him right now it's not really good timing for me. Me just having a new baby and me, you know, congratulations. Being in the house with the wife and the kids and stuff. So it wasn't good timing for me. But I was actually going to come back this year and try to apply for the job again. But this pandemic hit. So I don't know what's going to happen now. Um, wait to see what they're going to do now for they're going to open sports back up for this year or they're going to put it on hold or pause or whatever with this pandemic. So um, we're waiting to see. So flip I, again, man. I'm 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 either fast forwarding or taking people back, but I want to kind of piggyback off of what Quan was saying, like being a solid assassin. And when we was preparing for the show, man, I I started watching clips of you know the the rookie sophomore game, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and I mean you was killing, right? And you had some heavy hitters in that game, Braun, Melo, Wade. Mm-hmm. And it, it, matter of fact, at one point in that game, there's a clip of you touching Braun's ankles up a little bit, right? Fact. <laughs> did you did you go into that game with a chip on your shoulder or was it just like yo I'm gonna just I'm being me or was it like I'm gonna go in here I'm gonna kill these dudes and we on national TV in front of everybody so I'm gonna put on put my name on the map or was it just you just being you oh that was just me being me man that's that's I would pick that as just going out playing like Philly basketball pickup game. That's how I look at all star games and pickup games for real, for real. So uh, me being to just go out there and just freelance and just play basketball, no no set call and no play calls and nothing like that, just to go out there and freelance. You know, I grew up on that, uh, playing in the streets of Philly. So I, I took it as that, as a street ball game, me going out there and playing. I really didn't have no chip against them or nothing like that. It wasn't mm-hmm. nothing personal, just me going out there and playing ball for real, for real. So I didn't I didn't look at it as no chip on my shoulder or anything like that. That was just me going out, just, just freestyling, just having fun playing basketball. Oh, man, you was you, you was killing it. Yeah, you was killing When I came down, when I got that rebound, I came down on that break and I seen him in front of me. You know, I had to, it, it went off my head. I, I got to <laughs> hit homies and stuff in the crowd. So, you know, I, I got to hit him with some shit right here. I mean, <laughs> he actually went for it. So, I didn't think he was going to go for it like that. But he, he damn it fell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely thought, like, yeah, I got to hit him with some shit right here. So, I mean, let me see if I can get my one little highlight off on the king real quick. That's 25. Saying. 25 and 10 was uh, 10 assists was the stat line. Uh, do, do you still think you can ball in the NBA, man? Right now, no, my body not built for it right now. I ain't in the basketball sheet right now and play the league. I can if I was to really just continue to go work out. And, but I, I've been through a couple injuries. I, I suffered a uh, fractured hip. That really, really set me. That's what really, really set me back for real, for real, man, when I fractured that hip because that, that put me out for like a good 10 to 11 months, man, where though I couldn't even get busy. And mm-hmm. That took away all my motion for real, for real. So it took me a while to get back to like 100%. I don't even still don't think it's at 100% for real, for real. Probably like at 85, 90%. I don't think it always, it ain't back to what it was before. So that fractured hip was a major injury for me, man. That really, uh, like, changed my process and the way I was going moving in the NBA. 
So the, the career that you've had uh, throughout the NBA, as well as going overseas, as well as being one of known as one of the, the top five street ballers in Philadelphia, does that bring uh, overall comfort to your basketball career of how you started to where you where you came now as a as a grown man and um, the professional basketball level that you played and, and to where you've gotten to as far as achieving the success that, that you that you've acquired? Um, I mean, if, if it if it was for me to, to stop it right now, I mean, I'm still trying to like build on my legacy, still playing with this, and then trying to see what I could do with this coaching. But if it was the end right now, I'm cool with what, with what I accomplished, what I did for him with basketball, man. Me coming from North Philly, making it all the way to the NBA, man. And, you know, I took the back road to get to the NBA. I ain't taking no easy route, Division One. Nothing was handed to me. I had to go out there and work for everything I got. So, you know, me knowing that, knowing what I went through, to get there and make that happen, and then for me to know that the um, – Many people that I aspire from Philadelphia to be able to go on the same page. And, you know, I had so many people come up to me like, Flip, man, you know, I just want to say thank you, man. You know, um, you making it to the NBA, man. You inspired me, man, to go in that gym and work. You know what I mean? Young boys stuff used to come up to me and say that to me, man. So when I get feedback like that back from, from kids and stuff from Philly, you know, that, that makes me think and lets me know what I did was something special. And, and I'm appreciative of it. Man, Flip, I, I got to ask you, man, I'm sure you're seeing everything that's going on with the NBA. The coronavirus impacted the entire world, but the NBA was able to get get these games back up and get the playoffs in Orlando. A lot of people expect NBA players to stand up for the black community. And just the other day, the Bucks, the Lakers, a number of other teams, they, they opted not to play for a couple of days. But now they pressured the NBA owners to open up their arenas for voting and all that kind of stuff. How much power do these players have in terms of pushing um, social justice forward? Got all the power, man. Got all the power. We live in a crazy world right now. What's going on, man? Our society, the thing that we see happen right now, as far as you know, with the, with the killings, with the cop killings, stuff like that, is, is really outrageous. I'm glad and, and and happy that they finally stood up and and took a stand and try to force some impact to them make. To go out, to go out and say something and make something happen. As you can say, it only take uh, one team or, or one strong person to make it happen. Kaepernick started it off. Mm-hmm. Kaepernick mm-hmm. started off. He just didn't get backed up by his teammates, like everybody's getting backed up by their teammates right now. I actually think mm-hmm. they, his teammates left him hanging. Let me ask you this, Flip, because I'm, I'm always curious about this man. So right now the league is losing money because of the coronavirus and the NBA owners can lock the players out next year if they want to or not. And they certainly can't the players decide to protest or not play players like LeBron. I mean, there is only one LeBron, but the guys at the very top of the financial pyramid in the NBA, if LeBron never plays another basketball game after today, he's set for the rest of his life, likely his kids and everybody else after him. How right. difficult is it for, those guys who are, who are from HBCUs, those guys who are fighting to get into the NBA to say, you know what, we're not going to play. And if the owners opt to cancel our contracts or whatever, like how, how, how hard is that for these young, for these other guys who don't have hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, but they're at the, you know, the lower financial food chain of the NBA. It's difficult if you're not prepared for it. Yeah. Um, one thing about the NBA, when you first come into the NBA, they, they, they teach you, they geek, they have classes and everything about the business in the NBA as far as how to be in uh, financial situated coming into the league as a young player and different avenues and, and different routes you can take as far as financially, not just from NBA, but elsewhere. So mm-hmm. um, if you take advantage of that 
and those opportunities that they give you to learn the business of the NBA and have different revenues coming in or different avenues where you can go make money, you'll be fine. The guys that don't, I mean, they'll they'll suffer from it. But it's all up to them because they definitely give you the opportunity to prepare for it in case certain situations like this do happen. Just say that they, they prepare you for it. Just say that all of a sudden you just get hurt and you can't play basketball anymore. Then what you going to do now? So they prepare you for that, whereas though you can have like um, – like I said, different avenues to go out and make money and, and do different things. So, but right now I understand what they what you're saying with the, with them guys. But it's, it's it's bigger than that. It's bigger than money right now. This shit is bigger than money right now. This is about you know our lives, our livelihoods, stuff like that. And they're just taking advantage of it, man. They're just taking innocent lives away. And for the stand up for that and try to get some justice to that. I mean, it, I, I that's over that's over money for me for sure. Nah, man, I I appreciate that. I. I'm going to let everybody else go around if anybody else has any more questions. But, Flip, I'm sure y'all do. So, anybody got any more questions for them? I do, but we're out of wait, man, because, you know, like I said, man, it's been an honor, man, speaking with you, Flip, and everything that you, you know, the success that you you brought to, like I said, the HBCUs, to people around you, um, to people, you know, look at you, notice you, you know, kids, man. Like I said, man, you, you know, keep doing what you're doing, brother. You're very inspirational. Thank you for everything and much support to you. Appreciate that. I'll just end my piece off by just asking Flip, you know, seeing you came from, you know, Strawberry Mansion to Meridian to Shaw, like you said, you had to work for everything you had. Is there anything, any message that you have out there to other young brothers out there, young sisters out there who are on a similar path to you? Is there anything that, any message that you have for them? The same as I always say, man, continue to pursue your dreams, man. Whatever it is, continue to pursue it, man. Whatever the route is you may have to take, uh, whether it's the harder route, the longer route. I mean, if it's something that you really, really want to do, something that you really, really love, just continue to pursue it, man, and try to do whatever it needs to be done to make it and make that happen. Because that's exactly what my situation was, man. Like I said, me leaving Philadelphia, I went all the way out to Mississippi to go play junior college by myself. One suitcase, went out there, you know what I mean, just to try to make something happen for me as far as my career, then my education, man. And then just continue to push it for me coming back and, you know, going to Shaw University. Then having a chance to really be in the NBA draft and make the NBA. Didn't make that happen, man. I mean, it was a blessing for me, man. Something I would truly um, remember. Something I would truly take with me when I'm when I'm out of here and I'm gone. So uh, whatever your dream is, man, just pursue it, man. And continue to push hard and just work. I'm going to get you out of here on this flip. First, I want to say, man, we appreciate you, of course, taking the Definitely. time to sit down and talk with us. You know, like Quan said, you're an inspiration. You are one of the people um, that I feel is making it easier for these kids to make that decision to to go to HBCUs and use that as a route and know right. that they can still get to the NBA. So always keep that under your hat that you, you're one of the pioneers for that. But I want I got one last question to get you out of here. <laughs> you got a game today, man. What you going to drop, man? How much you dropping today? Because last, last season, the team that we playing today, they actually eliminated last. They eliminated us from the playoff last year. Oh, shit. So this, this, this game going to be real personal. They know that. And they talking all crazy on the social media and stuff like that. But that's just letting me know that they really scared. They talking too much on it. So, you know, this game is personal. So, I'm a, I'm a, I got to go out there and at least get a quarter at least. This game is personal. This game is personal. And I'm the OG out there now. I'm probably be one of the oldest players out there. So, it's still personal. I feel bad for the ankles. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Flip, man. Much respect. We really, we really appreciate you coming on, man, and hope you have a great game today. 
I thank y'all for having me, bro. Seriously, man. Y'all take it easy, man. You too, thank bro. You too, man. bro. Fellas. All right, man. Fellas, that was a that was a heck of an interview, man. Flip was yeah. great. I appreciate Flip coming on, man, and, and speaking to us. That sharp connection between you and Quan, y'all made that happen. So I appreciate that. Like, like you said, Mike, that when you talk about guys who went straight, you know, well, not straight to the NBA from from high school, but guys who uh, went to HBCUs. I mean, anytime you talk about that, Flip Flip's name come up. If you know basketball. Mm-hmm. Hey, flip, flip name come up. So I, I'm, I'm very appreciative and, and happy he came on with us today. Yeah, me too as well. I've mean, seen it from the aspect of a, a college student um, and, you know, pretty much just trying to find my way. Like I said, inspiration comes in many ways, many shapes, many forms, many fashions. And, you know, to, to, to bear witness to something of that at a young age to now and to see it manifest, it's amazing. And it, show, and it does show that, yo, you know, wherever you come from, if you have a goal and you have a dream, you know, you just got to work hard despite the, some of the pitfalls or whatever. You just, you know, you keep pushing. You don't let anybody di- dictate who you are and, you know, where you want to go. 